Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome on this uh, rainy or cloudy Sunday morning. Uh, I guess we're kind of in the soup right now. We're going to be that way for a little while. So, but hey, who can complain about rain, right? And I guess this is the what 21st anniversary of 9/11. So, uh, guess there is that. Uh, I'm sure many of you remember where you were 21 years ago, about this time, actually, uh, as you were hearing about the planes going into the tower. I was downtown working in the Bell South Tower, right behind the Fox Theater there, and I think somebody told, said something about it, and I had a radio on my desk, and I turned it on to WSB, and that they were saying it's, it's something about a small plane had veered off course and hit the tower, you know, and you think, the chances of that are like 10 million to one, you know, and then uh, eventually it turned out it wasn't the case, you know, but so I was sitting there listening to that, and Eventually the towers came down or whatever, and they, they, they told us to go home after I was talking to Phil about that. He, he worked on the 24, but he happened to be home that day. But they made us all go home because they didn't know, you know, if they weren't going to start attacking other cities and hitting other towers and stuff. So when I was in a, what was that, a 45-story tower, I think it is. So anyways, tough time. It's interesting to think about that, you know, and how our world is, uh, is a pretty evil place, you know. We talk about that in scripture, but then we can see it sometimes. And you know, we, you think, well, that's, that's evil. We see it, but there's a lot of evil we don't see, right? And uh, it's interesting how things work out when that happened. I worked for New York Life Insurance Company. At the time, I worked for EDS. I was working on the Bell South, but at that time, New York Life had two data centers, one in New Jersey and one in Manhattan, right at their home office there on Madison Avenue, which was pretty far from where the World Trade Center was, but, uh, I took a job with them in 2008 over in Alpharetta because when that happened, New York Life decided they had to move their data center out of Manhattan. They said they can't be there anymore. And they chose Alpharetta. And lucky me, I guess, I was able to get a job with them in 2008 and working in Alpharetta. That's where I've been ever since. So indirectly, you could say, I guess, that that kind of affected my career. Uh, not necessarily that's a good thing, but it worked out for me, right? And I actually worked with people who were there that day. They were in the data center working when that happened. They were a good little ways away from it, like I said, but they could go out and see the smoke and all that stuff. So anyways, that affected everyone's life in some way, I guess, right? And there is evil in the world, and we, we see it sometimes in such a blatant way. And uh, we have to remember that our Lord is in charge, our God is faithful, and he will reward us in the end. Maybe not in this world, but certainly in the end. All right, let's go over our prayer list before we begin today. A uh, few we need to be mentioning. Naira Klinect is still in the hospital, but has been moved to a regular room. So I think she is doing better. But uh, please continue to remember Naira at this time. And then, uh, as I mentioned last week, Linda Overy was released from the hospital on the 6th, where she was dealing with some heart issues. So just continue to remember Linda. Of course, Kless was actually with her in the hospital, and he's still having some issues, you know, with his leukemia and all that. But please remember them. Uh, as, as I mentioned last week, Kyle Wright's grandmother did pass away uh, on, the, on last, I believe it was last Sunday morning. So a funeral was held on the 9th, so he, he and Sarah, I think they're still there. I don't think he'll be here back uh, today. Linda Waters is asking for continued prayers for back pain relief as she's had two recent surgeries. Continue to remember Linda. She's having a lot of trouble with her back and all. Anyone else we need to be remembered this time? Okay. 
Let's go to our Father in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you and we honor you as our God and our Father and we praise you, God, for the way you love us, the way you take care of us, the way you are comfort in time of trouble, the way you allow us to come directly to you and pray and speak with you, talk with you as our God, as our, our friend, as our great comforter, Father, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus and the way you sent him that because of your love that you would send your own son to die for us, us who are sinners and, and dead in our sin, Father. We ask you to be with those who have been mentioned on our prayer list today that they might be healed if possible and uh, be, uh, be able to be back with us soon and be with those who are in need of comforting and those who might have lost a loved one recently that they might be comforted and help us to know how to minister to them in a way that's pleasing and edifying to them, Father. And we just thank you. Thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the way you help us in these things and for this church, Father. The people here, the heart they have for you, the love they have for you, and the heart they have for service. And uh, we just ask you to continue to be with those on this list and those that we may not know about with this congregation, that they might be comforted and healed. We ask you to be with us during our class time today as we're studying in the letter to the Galatian churches that we might take something from it. Keep in mind to help us to grow spiritually, Father, in some way or another. And uh, we ask you to be with our nation this time, the leaders and the communities that we live in. They might make decisions that would be in accordance with your will, Father, that they may be able to lead us in a way that's pleasing to you and uplifting to us, Father. We just thank you for your love, Father. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for so many things, Father. And most of all, for his willingness to come and lower himself a little lower than the angels to give himself up for us. And it's in his name we pray at this time. Amen. All right. You can be opening up your Bibles, actually, to the book of Proverbs. We're going to begin there today. And by the way, before I do that, I need to mention we have a champion in our midst this morning. Did y'all know that? Sister Joe Jackson there won the chili cook-off yesterday. So I got to announce that. Embarrass her a little bit. I know, I know. But uh, that's a great thing. <laughs> you were second or third? Second? And was third. All right. Good deal. Nothing like a good bowl of chili. Sorry I missed that. Missed out on that, but I'm sure I missed a big one. All right. Well, in your uh, reason I'm going to Proverbs is we're going to talking about some things that Paul's going to mention today in his te in the text that we're going to be looking at. And one of those things is, is is friends, friends that we have. Right? How many of you have a friend? And I'm not necessarily talking about your spouse. You got, of course, you got to say your spouse is your friend, whether they're your friend or not, right? But how many really have a friend? And I'm not talking about an acquaintance. I'm not talking about somebody you just happen to know, but somebody you can confide in, you can really talk to. Do you have somebody like that? Friends can be a great source of comfort. Turn over, turn over to Proverbs chapter 17, and let's read what uh, Wise King Solomon said about that. Friends, uh, in chapter 17 and verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Interesting comment, right? That's a proverb. A friend loves at all times. A friend is there for you in times of trouble. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 27. Let's see what it said there. 27 and verse 9. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. A friend is there for you in times of trouble, 
and also in times to give you advice, counsel, right? You need someone to talk to, someone to confide in, right? That's what a good friend can do. I found some funny quotes this morning about friends. I want to read a few of them. One of them says, a friendship is being there <coughs> when someone's feeling low and not being afraid to kick them. Yeah, that's kind of true, right? A true friend, right? Laughing with a friend is the best kind of laughing there is, right? Nothing compares to the stomach ache you get from laughing with your best friends. True, right? I see you smiling out there. Yeah, you've been there. If one's friends do not openly laugh at him, they are not, in fact, his friends. And I really like this one. This one says, we are best friends. Always remember that if you fall, I will pick you up after I finish laughing. And I know you've been there too, right? Absolutely. Something about seeing someone fall that kind of gets that tickle bone going, right? That funny bone. Yeah, you don't want to laugh at somebody when they're, they're put, lost their composure, right? But it's really funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And when friends can laugh at each other, you know you got a good friend, a true friend, right? They're not making fun of you. They're laughing with you, right? Not at you. That's what good friends are all about, right? A source of good counsel. In fact, have you ever watched Funniest Home Videos? I know you've watched it, right? Usually, you may not see it in the final three or whatever, but they're going to have a bunch of videos of people falling, right? And some of those are excruciating. When you see somebody landing on a railing in the middle, you know, right on in the middle of their legs or whatever, especially for us guys, you know. And at first you're going, oh! And then you can't stop laughing, right? Because <laughs> it's pretty funny. And true friends can do things with each other and make each other laugh, and it, you feel so good about it, right? True friends are those who are with you in times of good and bad. Who can give you advice, right, when you need it? Who can counsel you? Who can tell you what you need to hear? Maybe not so much what you want to hear, right? A not-so-true friend is probably going to try to do the other, aren't they? Maybe try to tell you what you want to hear because they want to stay your friend. They're afraid if I tell you what you need to hear, I may not be your friend anymore. Hmm. Interesting concept, right? Well, in writing the letter to the Galatian churches, Paul found it necessary to remind them about the truth. As he defends the gospel of justification by faith, in Christ, rather than keeping the law, rather than having to be circumcised, he's going to tell them a few things. He's going to battle against that influence of those who sought to bind them to the law of Moses. As he reasons with the Galatians, he's going to make a sentimental argument that's, uh, about true friends and false friends. Let's turn back over to Galatians and uh, look at chapter 4. <coughs> Beginning in verse, well, beginning where we left off last week, verse 16, he says, Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. 
But it is good to be zealous and a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. It's pretty scathing comments Paul is making right there, right? He's saying, true friends here, like me, I am your true friend, are going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to tell you things because you want to hear it. I'm not going to tell you things for my own gain, for my own personal reasons. I'm going to tell you the truth, even, as it says in verse 16 there, if it makes you my enemy. Pretty tough thing, right? Have we ever avoided to tell a friend something that they needed to hear because we didn't want to lose them as a friend? Yeah, I would dare to say probably that's 100%. Probably, right? It can be tough to tell someone something that you know they need to hear when they're your good friend, right? You don't want to lose a friend. You don't want to be the bad guy. You don't want to be the person that has to say, if you don't switch your life or change your life, you're in danger of the judgment. He's like, well, that, that's the elder's job. That's the preacher's job. Well, I, I'm not, I don't have to be the one that goes to those of that. I, I, we got people that can do that. Who's someone going to listen to usually, more likely? A good friend or someone they don't know? Yeah, the elders can come in and say, I, I got the scripture here. You need to read this. We're concerned for your soul. And we can be as loving and as comforting or whatever you want to say or as rebukeful, if that's a word. But when a friend or a loved one comes and says it, it's going to mean a lot more, isn't it? It's going to make a bigger difference. Even when the truth hurts, as he says there in verse 20, he says, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone. For I have doubts about you. Paul's telling them. He's saying it. I don't know if you're going to make it. I'd love to change my tone. I'd love to be right there with you, talking to you face to face. Because I'm not sure you're going to get there. You need true friends. When hearing the gospel of Christ, of course, who will tell you that full gospel is preached by Christ and his apostles? That's what a true friend does. Many of you would say you have friends outside the congregation here, right? Many of you have friends that are not Christians. You know that. You know they need to hear the gospel, right? It's tough to go out and tell them, right? Again, you want to stay friends. Not so sure you're going to do that if you start preaching the gospel to them and telling them they may not be living a life that's right with God. When hearing the gospel of Christ, we've got to tell them the truth. We also should not be telling them what's popular believed, but what we hear from the word. We already read these verses, book back at Galatians 1. See what Paul said about that. Verse 6. He told them, 
I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. A true friend is going to preach you the truth. As Paul saying there, anyone, anybody else should be accursed. Anyone else is false. Anybody else that preaches another gospel is not a true friend. Now, I've had discussions with people I considered my friends who believe a different doctrine than I do. And I've tried to say to them, that's not what I read in my Bible. And of course, you can say, well, that's just a difference of opinion. Well, in some cases, maybe that's true. But when you get down to the scripture, if you can't prove it from what's written, then you need to preach it the way it's written, right? We also need to have true friends when going in grace. Who's going to tell you the full gospel is preached to Christ by Christ and his apostles? Turn over to 2 Peter 3. And I'm just going to read some verses here that refer to that, but are very poignant in themselves. 2 Peter. Chapter 3. Verse 17, he says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a warning. You need to be careful about what you hear, about what you read, about what you see true friends, or what you thought were true friends, are telling you. I'll turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. <clears throat> Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's Paul writing to Timothy, right? He's saying there are going to be people that are going to listen to these other folks, these people who are not true friends, preaching another gospel. And then... True friends are going to speak when people are drifting. Paul's doing that here in our text. Turn to chapter 6 of Galatians. Let's see what he does right there. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also 
be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Paul's saying, you need to be talking to your friend, your brother. You need to be preaching the truth. You need to be ready to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And you need to be careful that you're not swept away either. You see, that's all part of this growth process we have, right? We become Christians, we, we got the milk, right? But we grow. We have to grow. We got to study. We got to be in prayer. We got to be in service. We got to be helping each other get there. And we got to be willing to talk as a true friend, tell the truth, right? Proverbs is full of stuff like this. And actually, Psalms is too. David and Solomon. Turn over to Psalm 141. Let's see what David said about friendship. Let's just start with verse 1. He says, Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me, it shall be a kindness, and let him rebuke me, it shall be an excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it, for still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Interesting concept that David's saying there. Lord, I need your help. I need you to watch over me. I need you to take care of me. And let me be willing to listen to my true friends when I need rebuke, when I need teaching, when I need to hear what I don't want to hear. Proverbs, turn back over there. Should have told you to keep a finger in there, and I didn't. Sorry about that. Proverbs. Let's look at Proverbs 13. See what King Solomon said. Proverbs 13, verse 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction. But he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Now, it's pretty blatant two verses right there, right? Poverty is going to come to those who rebuke correction, who disdain correction, right? When you were raising up your kids, did they ever disdain your correction? That were they impoverished because of that? What does it always say, you know, when we're teenagers, our mom and dad are the stupidest people in the world? And then we get into our 20s and all of a sudden we realized how smart they really were? My kids hadn't done that yet, but I'm waiting for it. No, I'm just teasing. My kids never thought I was stupid. But that's true, isn't it? 
It's true. Psalm uh, 15, I mean Proverbs 15, look over there. Verse 31. The ear that hears of the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises, despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Yeah, we have to be humble, especially when it comes to being in front of the Lord, of course. We have to be willing to take instruction, correction, rebuke. And a true friend will do that. Proverbs 25. Chapter 25 of Proverbs. Verse 1. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Solomon's very wise, right? He tells us that we need to be willing to listen. We need to be willing to be rebuked, to be told the truth, especially when we're in danger of the judgment. And a true friend will do that, right? A true friend will... Tell us what we need to hear. May have to kick us when we're down sometimes. And then may have to laugh with us when we get back up. That's very true, isn't it? And you know, you know who, free have, who your friends are that are like that, right? And that's your true friends. You can kind of tell that, can't you? Yeah, may, maybe you say, oh, I got some friends that sometimes they're not so nice. But are they there for you when you need it, right? So we can appreciate that value, right? We, we can understand that, you know? We, we can understand what the value of a true friend is. But how can we tell the difference sometimes, right? How can we tell? Go back to verse 17, chapter 4 there, and see what Paul said. Verse 17, they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. In other words, some people are going to try to use you, right? They're going to act like they're your friends. They're going to try to get you to do things that's going to help them, right? Well, how do you know what that is? Turn over to chapter 6, verse 11. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, these folks that are trying to keep, tell them to keep the law to be circumcised they're not doing it for the gospel. And they're certainly not doing it for the law because they can't even keep the law themselves. Paul's making that point. These folks can't keep the law. That's why Christ had to come. You have liberty in Christ. All these folks want to do is just to get you to do something for their own 
Selfish reasons. So they can boast about it. So they can act like they're trying, they're teaching you what's the truth. Not knowing the truth themselves. So he's saying that's how you know who's not a true friend. You need to beware of false friends. Turn over to Romans. We'll read a couple of passages from there. Romans uh, 16. Verse 17, Romans 16, verse 17, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, note these, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learn, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Turn over to chapter 10 there and see what he says to verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. False friends try to manipulate you to do what they want you to do. False friends, in this case, are going to tell you you've got to keep the law. And Paul just says there in Romans, Christ is the end of the law. You now have liberty in Christ Jesus. It's not about keeping the law. Sure, we know right from wrong from the law. God had to reveal it. But true friends don't tell you you got to keep the law or you're going to spend eternity in hell. True friends are not going to tell you that you got to be circumcised. True friends are gonna, not going to tell you that it's about Christ Jesus and your love for him having faith in him and obeying his commands. False teachers are trying to manipulate the brethren in Galatia, a tactic first used by Satan. We can read about that in 2 Corinthians 11. What did the devil do at the beginning? The serpent went to Eve, right? Told her, if you eat of this tree, you'll live forever. Right? Told her something she wanted to hear. Acting like he knew what he was talking about. I don't know what that was like. I have no idea. Can't imagine a serpent talking to me, but that was what was going on here, right? And she took the bait because she heard what she wanted to hear instead of what the truth was. And of course, Satan wasn't her friend, but Satan was using a tactic that false friends will use. They're going to tell you things that you want to hear. They're going to tell you false, falsehoods in sheep's clothing. Right? Go back to Galatians 4, verse 18. But it is good to be zealous and good thing always, and not only when I'm present with you. What's he mean by that exactly? Paul 
sought their devotion even in his absence, right? What do false friends do when you're not around? Do they remember you? No. I ran into someone yesterday at a store that I hadn't seen in 20 years. I pretty much recognized them. And I said something to him. I said, I know you. And she said, okay. She acted like she had no clue I was. Even though I spent several months with her several years ago working with her. Yeah. So the first thing I thought was, hey, you just, you don't want to know me. You know, that's the first thing I thought. And I don't know. I don't know what her motives was. And, and it wasn't that we were good friends or anything. But that's the feeling I got, right? Like, yeah, I don't think you really wanted to know who I was, did you? Maybe, maybe not. But you can kind of feel that, right? When you don't have a true friend. True friends aren't there for you. True friends are there for themselves. And when you're not around, when you can't help them out, you're forgotten. <clears throat> true friends will heed the wisdom of Solomon. Let's go back to Proverbs and read a few things again that King Solomon says. Proverbs 26. I'm sorry, Proverbs 27. Verse 5, he says, Open rebuke is better than love, carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Solomon was very wise. He has a lot to say about who true friends are. And we know these things, right? We know that we can be easily led astray if we're not careful. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I know we're jumping around a lot in Scripture, but I'm, these are some verses that are, I think are very helpful, especially... When you need a friend. And you think, well, I, I know that. I know what you're talking about. I know who my true friends are. Well, do we always know? Verse 33, 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Oh, I know you've heard that one. I know you've told your kids that one, right? But you see, you can get to be friends with someone, start hanging out with them, and guess what? Before you know it, you're doing just like them. You're doing things that you never thought you'd be doing, right? You're thinking things. You're getting involved in things that you never believed you would. I know, you, I'm speaking to the choir here. But when you were teenagers, think about it. Who are your friends? What did they influence you to do? Evil companions corrupt good morals. Yeah. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Now that doesn't mean you don't have 
friends that are not Christians. That doesn't mean that at all. You need to be the influence. You need to be the true friend. But we have to be careful, right? Good habits have been corrupted. Immature Christians have been tossed about by deceitful friends. Yeah, it's happened. I'm sure many of you can say you have a family member. Brother, sister, child. That you wish they had never gotten to be friends with someone before. Yeah. I know it's true. Especially your teenage child who you say, man, I wish I had kept them from going out with those guys. I knew they should have never been involved with those kids. You ever been there? <clears throat> we need to learn from what Paul is telling us here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We're in a process of growth. And truthfully speaking, we should be growing until the day we die. I'm not talking about physical growth. I'm talking about the spiritual side of things. We should always be becoming more mature in the faith, more like Christ. And that's a measuring stick for you, right? You should be able to say, am I more like Christ than I was five years ago? Am I more of a good friend to others than I was five years ago, one year ago? And if you're not, then maybe you need to wonder. Am I keeping the faith? Am I continuing the race, as Paul said? And all that starts right here, right? What we know from the Lord. The truth has been revealed for us right here. God didn't try to tell you what you wanted to hear. He sent his son because he knew you needed it. There's nothing we could do. We were dead in our sin. He sent his son because he knew we needed it and because he loved us. He was our true loving God and true loving friend, you might say. We have Christ, who is our Savior, our Lord, but our true friend. Turn over to John chapter 15. John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? Greater love 
has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whoever, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I can't say it any better than that right there. Right? He loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. And he says it right there, no, no greater love than that. If you are reflecting on the 9-11 thing today, and you can think about the men and women that went into those buildings, right? Sacrificed themselves. We honor them. We honor them greatly. And they were dying, they died for people they didn't even know. They didn't, not friends necessarily. But they did it out of a sense of duty, right? And that's a wonderful thing. That's a fantastically wonderful thing. And we, we can sit in awe of that, right? For what people will do. And yes, as the Lord said, that is the greatest love. Whatever you do in this life, in the end, the only thing that's going to matter is whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not. That's it. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And if you haven't decided to follow him and believe in him and have faith in him, then I say get started, man. It's time. Get on with it. Make that decision. And not only that, but to start growing and be a true friend to each and every person you know. And be willing to preach the gospel to those who need to hear it. Rebuke those who need to hear it. And be, dare say, willing to die for those you love. Are you at that point? Are you so comfortable in your faith that you can say, I would die for my loved ones because I know I'm going to receive my reward. And if you're not there, maybe you need to get on with it. Start getting there. Figure out how you can get that assurance. And we're here to help. That's what we're all about. All right. Time's up. Thanks for being here.